What is up, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark Berry, the podcasting coach here. And an elevator speech is that speech that everyone hears about. And it's the thing that you need to master at networking events and just in general, having that in the back of your pocket ready to show it to the person you're talking to. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how do we craft that great elevator speech. Our guest who joins us today, he is a speaker, best-selling author, and an international presentation coach. His books, No Sweat Public Speaking and No Sweat Elevator Speech, are purchased internationally and have incredible reviews on Amazon. His website, nosweatpublicspeaking.com, is viewed thousands of times each month, and he has over 200 articles, videos, and podcasts. Our guest who joins us for this episode is none other than Fred Miller. Fred, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Well, let me ask you, Mark, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm podcast host. I host a few podcasts. I write a whole bunch of books and I'm going pretty in on YouTube. So I'd say that's a little bit on me. Okay. You guys already know about Fred and elevator speech is what we're all about in this episode Fred has his book, all of those books, all that stuff will be in the show notes. But I do have to ask you, how did you get into public speaking and reach the stature that you have right now? Oh, it's all about the backstory. Well, when I was much younger, I always watched people like Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and Brian Tracy. And I thought, boy, I'd love to do that. And I was in Toastmasters for many years. Are, are you familiar with Toastmasters, Mark? I am. That's a great international organization. They teach speaking skills and leadership skills. And it was just the right time to to do it because it's a powerful thing. And as you know, my mantra is speaking opportunities are business, career, and leadership opportunities. And no one ever challenges that statement. Make sense? Yeah. And while you're talking about elevator speech, an elevator speech is a mini presentation. And it's, well, we've all been there. You go to a networking event, a social function, or a seminar, and somebody says, uh, you know what, before we get started, let's go around the room. When it's your turn, you've been there, right? Stand up, tell us who you are, what you do, give us your elevator speech. And most people hem and haw, and, and it's just terrible. And what happened, the backstory again, I was in a sales class, and we had a newbie. And as the instructor always does, he had to stand up and give our elevator speeches to the newbie. And they were all terrible, except one guy, Roy sitting next to me, and he had one phrase that was so good, everyone wrote it down. I'll tell you what that is in just a little bit. But prior to that, I was in a networking group called E4E, Experts for Entrepreneurs. And the leader, Bill, came to me one day and said, uh, Hey, Fred, you're our public speaking presentation expert. How about a lesson next month to the whole group on how to develop, practice, and deliver a great elevator speech? And I thought, oh, geez, I've always struggled with that. But, you know, people are always asking me. So I thought, well, let me see what happens. And then in that sales class, Roy had that phrase. And here's here's what I did. Well, let me do this. Let me back up. And I'm going to give you my elevator speech, all floors, okay? And I built that, I've got a template people can get. And I built that elevator speech template on two words, Mark. One elevator, 
build it by the floor. Everyone doesn't want to go to the top floor with you. You don't want to take everyone there. And speech. An elevator speech is a mini presentation. So here, here's my ultimate elevator speech. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay. So I got a big crowd and I go, uh, I'm Fred Miller. I'm a speaker, coach, and an author. The title of my first book is No Sweat Public Speaking. Businesses, individuals, and organizations hire me because they want to improve their networking, public speaking, and presentation skills. And they do that because they know speaking opportunities are business, career, and leadership opportunities. They also know we perceive really good speakers as experts. We like to work with experts. Experts command more money for their products and services. I show them how to develop, practice, and deliver a knock-your-socks-off presentation with no sweat. <laughs> now, that's all eight floors, and, and you don't always have to do that, but that's kind of the basis of it. So you must have a question or two. Yeah, I mean, just having that basic elevator pitch and being able to present it as clearly as Fred did. I feel like people know what it is that they do, but being able to verbalize it in the best way based on who the audience is, because sometimes I'll be more focused on the podcast. I'll talk about how I help people launch, go monetize their podcasts, get on more stages, get more clients through a podcast. At other times, I'm more focused on YouTube because I talk about, you know, how to use affiliate marketing with YouTube, how creating videos leads to revenue. But it's based on who the audience is. So how do you frame your elevator speeches based on the audience? And well, you want to make sure you, that's a good point. You want to see who your audience is. Not everybody is a prospect for doing podcasts and YouTube. You know, they may want to do one, may, may want, not want to do the other. But that's speaking. Everybody speaks. <laughs> so I don't have to, I don't have to sexual, sectionalize it. I don't have to segment it as much as, as you do. But here's a couple things about it. That was a pretty long elevator speech. And that would be given in front of a large group. But a lot of times you don't have that much time. So you have to give a Twitter type elevator speech. And if we were in a big group and said, here, give us your Twitter type X number of words or less, I would just say, I'm Fred Miller. I speak, coach, and write about networking, public speaking, and presentation skills. Because one of the goals is that, well, the ultimate goal of an elevator speech, let's start there. The ultimate goal is somebody wants to have a conversation with you. They want to find out how you work, Mark, what do you charge, how long is it going to take, are there any guarantees, what are the different options. They want to have a serious conversation about that. But there are some intermediate goals. The first intermediate goal, you want everyone to know exactly what you do. So clear, concise, and consistent is really important because how am I going to hire you, Mark, unless I know what you do? And how am I going to refer you unless I know what you do? So it's got to be clear, concise, and consistent. I'll give you an example. I know an attorney and he stood up and he said, I'm an attorney. Specifically, I'm a contract attorney. I do simple contracts. I do complex contracts, buy sell agreements, leases. I do contracts. And somebody raised their hand and said, well, I got a traffic ticket the other day. No, I do contracts. Another guy raised his hand and said, you know, I got a brother-in-law who's in jail and he needs a, no, I do contracts. 
Another person says, well, I, I, I think I know someone who wants a divorce. And he said, no, I do contracts. You can't be too many things to too many to everyone. Now, to the point you make, because you do a number of things, you probably only want to say a few of those things, three at the most, when you're talking to someone. Once you get their business, start working with them and gain their trust, you can branch into some of the other things you do. But if you start naming too many things, somebody's going to think, oh my gosh, well, Mark will come to my house, he'll wash my windows, he'll rotate <laughs> my tires, he'll change my oil. <laughs> and it's not like that. So it's got to be clear, consistent, and clear, concise, and consistent. And ideally, when you hear my speech, you can tell anybody else what I do. Hmm, that's a good point. I mean, I've dialed it down to just podcasting, YouTube, and self-publishing. Well, that's good. I do. Three. three is good. There's something called the rule of three. I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's real important. We can't remember more than three or four things. So three is important. And I'll even back up some more because this has to do with presentations. One for, one for emphasis, Zoom, what we're doing here, this is great. I mean, this is amazing. You know, we're the other side of the country. All right, two for comparison, hot, cold, fast, slow, up, down. Three for completeness. And I'll give you some examples in a moment. Four or more for a list, shopping list or a to-do list. So three, I speak, coach, and write about networking, public speaking, and presentation skills. Speaking opportunities are business, career, and leadership opportunities. If you want the audience to get it, you need to educate, entertain, and explain. It's magic. Now, we do allow this intuitively, but now that you know it, or people who are listening to this, if you have two things, goose it up to three. And if you have four or more, drop it down because three is magic. And if you can have some alliteration, clear, concise, and consistent, that even adds to it. And I do like the rule of three because you don't want to be a Chinese menu of services. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of like the, the menu at Fridays. <laughs> 20 pages. What? Oh, you want somebody to know what you do. Now, another good point about that is that a big goal of an elevator speech is to disqualify. Everyone's not a prospect for what you do. You know, not everybody wants to make a podcast and that, not everybody wants to speak. You don't want to spend major time on minor possibilities. This is particularly important when you're doing one-on-one -on -one networking. And that happens all the time. You're, you're at the theater in line and somebody says, uh, hey, I'm Bobby. I work over in Home Depot. I'm in the paint department. What do you do? But we're more familiar with the one-on-one -on -one networking when there is an event and they say the event starts at 12 o'clock, arrive early and network. Well, in that case, you want to disqualify. Let me give you an example. I go to a uh, Chamber of Commerce event, everybody's networking one-on-one -on -one, and there was one young lady there who was selling replacement windows for older homes. I was very familiar with the manufacturer, national company, great reputation. Uh, her company had been in business for a long time, the distributor, and she had a great elevator speech, but she's giving it to each and every person she meets. And there were people in apartments, people living in newer homes, and people, quite frankly, these were very high-end windows that would not be buying them. And she was wasting their time and her time. 
So one of the things you don't want to do is spend major time on minor possibilities. Everyone's not a prospect. That makes sense to you? Yeah, and that's a great point because you don't want to be marketing to everyone because some people, they don't want to start a podcast. Some people already have a podcast and, you know, you could even like, you know, have two other things like how I have YouTube and self-publishing, but if you don't want to be a podcast, you don't want to be a YouTuber, you don't want to be a self-published author. I, I'm, I'm not going to invent a fourth service for you because then you do hit that overwhelm. Now, there are people who they have more than three things that they're doing and it's like, how do you make the decisions of what to cut, what to keep if you are someone who has like five things you're doing, six, seven, how do you cut? Start with your passion. Start with what makes you money. (laughs) And then the third thing is your choice usually. But, you know, passion trumps everything. So you've got a passion for what you're doing, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you want to go with what makes you money because if you don't have money, you're not going to be able to do that thing. And then the third thing can be a choice. But let me make make, uh, an important point, too. In that elevator speech, one of the floors and the phrase that my friend used was, Businesses, individuals, and organizations hire me because hire me is a phrase that my friend used. Because most people, if you ask what they do, they say, well, I help companies or I work with people. You know, what hire me says is, I'm really good at this. I'm proud of it. And you know what? There's some money connected to it. I don't do it for free. And it's a great disqualifier because, you know, it just makes sense. Do you like that hire me, Mark? Oh, I love that. I wrote that down here. I mean, it's so okay. many. Like, <laughs> well, it's funny. I'm giving, a, I'm giving a presentation once a lady raises her hand. She says, uh, you got a little attitude with that hire me, don't you, Fred? And I said, well, yeah, it's a good attitude. You want to work with a wimp who doesn't believe in what he's saying? You know, however, because nonverbal communication, the way you say it, it's going to let people know if you're not comfortable with that phrase, don't say it. You'll mm-hmm. say people write me checks. They put me on their payroll. Here's one I love. I had a lady I was coaching. She's a real estate agent. And she says, people who want to buy and sell homes, choose me because choose me is wonderful. If you think about, if you fly Southwest Airlines, I, I th- had this the other day on American. We know you have choices when you fly. Thank you for choosing Southwest Airlines. Now, the other word that's really important is because. So in my case, businesses, individuals, and organizations, you caught that three, hire me because. Because is an influencer word. And if you think about it, when you're young, well, you still are young. <laughs> you, say, well, you say, well, mom, why do I have to? Because I said so. Because it's the right thing to do. So that is huge. But I tell people, get away from that wimpy, I work with, I help. Well, if you're independently wealthy, God bless you, do it. <laughs> but I love that hire me, and that can disqualify. So let me give you another elevator speech. I call this one the express elevator speech. So if you and I just met and you say, hey, my name is Mark. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber. What do you do, Fred? So this is my express elevator speech. I say, I'm going to start with a question. I'll say, Mark, thanks for asking. I'm going to answer your question by asking you one. Have you ever been to an event and you're watching and listening to the speaker and you're thinking to yourself, boy, that guy's good. I mean, I mean, he's really good. 
He's articulate, authentic, very entertaining. Obviously, the guy has a passion for what he's doing, and I'm, I'm getting a lot out of this presentation. Man, I wish I could do that. I'm the guy they hire to develop, practice, and deliver presentations like that. Well, hopefully at that point, the guy goes, oh my gosh, I, I, I got to work with it. here. Let, let's exchange business cards. Give me a call. Let's set something up. If he doesn't say that, I'm going to go for a no. And I'll say, Mark, I got to tell you, everyone who hires me knows speaking opportunities are business, career, and leadership opportunities. You probably don't know anyone who wants to improve their public speaking and presentation skills, do you? And we're finished. <laughs> but that's real important. Let me back up again because it was an important point. One of the floors of the elevator speech is your credibility. So mine is uh, the title of my first book is writing a book, and you've written a ton of them. It's huge, isn't it? People think you're a genius, even if they've never read them. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, so I, I tell people, even if you've never written a book, always write your introduction. And also, also in your elevator speech, say the title of my upcoming book is. So let me tell you a story because it's relevant. You'll relate to this. I, I got a guy introducing me at a big chamber. He's reading my introduction. He says, uh, and the title of his upcoming book is, you, you have a book coming out? I said, I do. He said, that's amazing. <laughs> so I tell people, you know, you can change the title. You didn't tell them when it's coming out. But that is, that, that is a real game changer. Speakers and authors are seen as experts. Now, once you've written the first book, and people come up and say, well, what's the second book going to be? You say, oh, I wish I could tell you, but my attorney and my publisher had me sign all those non-disclosures. They would kill me. But always, always say, you know, it's how my upcoming book. And then other things that would be credibility or years in an industry, maybe degrees, maybe certifications, but don't give them that alphabet soup because you've got to explain that. That's another thing about elevator speeches or speaking, and you know this, no buzzwords, acronyms, or techno speak. You don't impress people with words they don't know. You make them feel stupid, and they're not going to work with you, and nobody's going to ask. And we see the emperor with no clothes, but nobody says anything. So I work with people in the finance industry, and they, uh, they'll talk about EFTs or ETFs. I'm not even sure what it is, and mutual funds, derivatives. And the audience is sitting there going, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, got it. They don't have a clue. And they're not going to work with you. You know, you probably find that, don't you? You got, you got to talk in plain language or you lose people. Yeah, I mean, that's the way, like, there's something like most people have a, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I, I, I don't know if, like, but, like, most people have, like, a sixth grade education or something like that. You have to, like, play to that type of an education, yeah. not overcomplicate. Like, an SAT word, no. Oh, no, that's a good point. And, and somebody might say, well, we're all in the same industry. I'll say, really? How long have they been in the industry? And if they came from government, there's an acronym for everything. No, you just, you know, plain, simple language in, in your presentations, your elevator speeches, and, and even talking about giving presentations using slides. Plain, simple slides. You don't need a whole lot of uh, corporate logos and templates. It's all clutter. It's all clutter, you know, uh, the way you dress, you know, I think Steve Jobs, just, you know, black shirt and pants, 
if you, if you have all kinds of bling, women are the worst, it's a distraction. Name tags. I used to have a big name tag I wore, and a guy sent me his book. He says, take off your name tag when you speak. And I was known for this name tag. It was handmade. It's huge. I started looking at some presentations. It's clutter. It's, you know, think Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Plain, simple. Nothing should distract from your message. Because otherwise, well, what will happen, a lady told me, so I'll tell you a story. Went to a presentation the other day. Speaker had this gorgeous scarf. I got to work. My coworker said, how was the presentation? And she said, well, she had this gorgeous scarf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, plain, simple. No, no blue shirt with red and uh, yellow and flame colors on there. Whoops. That's part of your branding. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you don't want to detract too much from what you're providing. And there is that mix for each person. And one thing that's been really a big thing throughout this entire episode is that we're mainly talking about the initiation of the conversation. We're not like we have talked in other episodes, how to go deeper in the conversation, but this is like, knowing what words to use and what phrases in the beginning, because that is so important. Like asking that question, using the word because saying like people hire me because I give them these results. I mean, it's the beginning of the conversation that we have been so focused on and it's really worth it to even script it out, like write down thoughts, not to like, you know, have the script in front of you and like read it verbatim, but just to know what you're going to say there and then let the conversation continue from there. Well, you're right. And another rule or guideline is no selling. Selling, if it is to occur, it's going to occur later. This is a sorting and sifting process. I mean, I used to think in the old days that uh, everyone's a prospect. They're not. In fact, there was a motivational speaker, Harvey McKay, McKay Envelope. And somebody asked him a question once said, when do you give up on a prospect? And he said, well, it depends which of us dies first. I used to believe that, but disqualifying is huge. I mean, there are so many prospects for what you do and for what I do, and I'm not going to try to convince somebody. If they don't see it, you know, they'll see it later. But there's plenty of people who need what you offer and need what I offer, and don't waste time trying to convince them. You know, let them, that elevator speech is an opportunity to let people think you're an expert. And it's not just what you say, but how you say it. So let me give you an example of a non-elevator speech that is dynamite. I had an old 98 uh, Ford Explorer, 135,000 miles, and I needed brakes. So I sent out the word to friends and family, I'd like to have an independent mechanic. And I got Danny's name. So I called Danny, uh, independent mechanic, worked for a garage, had the owner's, op- uh, owner's permission to use the garage. And I said, well, I got this old car and I need uh, brakes on it. He said, well, I can do that. And then I went on and started asking a lot of questions about cars. I know nothing about cars. <laughs> and after the fourth question, he said, Fred, I went to Rankin Technical School. Rankin Technical School is a school in St. Louis for trades. It's nationally known. And then he says, I'm ASE certified. If you ever go to a professional garage or the little logo, ASE, that's all he had to say. He said, Fred, I went to Rankin. I'm ASC certified. You're in good hands. I said, done. I said, Danny, can you do this, can you do this Saturday morning? 
he comes over and he never, never even asked his price. I just wanted a guy who was honest and we'd go out, he, he did a lot of work on that car. We'd go out and buy parts and I didn't care whether he bought the most expensive one or the cheapest one. I just trusted him. He was so honest at one point he said, uh, your next repair is going to cost more than this vehicle is worth. And that was around the time of uh, cash for clunkers. When the government had this program, they buy your car. I trade my car in, but I went to Rankin, I'm ASC certified, you're in good hands. Kind of like the guy says, I'm a contract attorney. That's what I do, contracts. It's the bullseye of the target, you know, and, and that line is solid around there. Even if another type of law, uh, other things, you know, I don't do that. I'm, this is what I'm good at. You know? So you want people, if they're thinking of podcast training and YouTube, is that what you do? You train them on those? Yes. You want your name. You know, you got to see Mark. That's it. Hands down. He's the guy. Boom. Go see him. Somebody needs help with an important presentation. I want him to see me. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to do that. And then the disqualifying part is huge. It's huge. I mean, it's amazing how an elevator pitch just takes. Oh, no, wait a minute. Let me stop you there. Elevator, oh, go for it. Elevator speech. Speech. Elevator pitch, and, and I think I'm correct, but elevator pitch, I think of pitching a prod. Maybe it'd go on Shark Tank. That's an elevator pitch. But an elevator speech, that's that little personal infomercial. So let's, let's try to distinguish that. But yeah, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No worries. Like the elevator speech, like it's fascinating how it's going to take anywhere from 30 to 90 seconds to deliver. And we have spent like, gosh, I don't know, like maybe 15, 20 minutes talking about it already. I mean, that's how important it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. The whole aspect of it. And again, I, I, I want to emphasize that it's a mini presentation and how important giving presentations, as you know, it is. I mean, I've coached people. I remember a guy sitting on my couch and he said, I have lost promotional opportunities because I didn't get up and speak. It's that fear of public speaking. It, it's the greatest fear most people have. I teach a class at a community college, very nominal price. If X number of people sign up and pay, less than that show up. We're not taking grades. It's three nights. That fear of public speaking. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's really tough. Yeah. You ever have a fear of public speaking? Um, I, I feel like we all have it at a certain point, but it's just practice that gets us out. Yeah. And what you want to do is you don't want to get rid of it. You want to take that nervous energy and put it in your presentation. You ever sit through a boring presentation? Oh, yeah. Not, not, not this one, I hope. No, not this one. This one's been fun. <laughs> the high energy one. No, but it just holds people back. I mean, I, I'll get calls. Somebody says, you know, I'm sick and tired of people who don't work as hard as I do. They're not contributing as much to the company, but they're getting recognition. They're getting bonuses. Sometimes they're getting promoted because they're speaking. And they're not very good, but they're doing it, and I'm not. Can you help? Yeah. So it's uh, – well, here, let, let's talk about this because it goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, give, giving elevator speeches, the fear of public speaking. That's why people don't want to get up in front of that group and say anything. That's why they don't want to give speeches. But the, the fear is – and people say, where do they get the fear from? Why do we have a fear of public speaking? Well, the short answer is, why not? You know, most of our conversations are one-on-one. -on -one. They're not even like this, Mark. You're talking on the phone. You don't see somebody. 
and uh, otherwise people are communicating, especially young people like you by text and email, yeah. you don't see or hear them. So it just stands to reason, you get in front of a group, you go, whoa, whoa, you're out of your comfort zone. Well, that's why it's uncomfortable. But the fact is, and this, this relates entirely to life, when we get out of our comfort zones, we make them larger. But there are some reasons they have a fear of public speaking, and you kind of hit it on it. If you don't know what you're going to talk about, <laughs> and that includes an elevator speech, you got to have that plan. You know, you don't get up and just, well, let's see, I do this and I did that. And then, you know, last year I helped somebody with, no, you got to know what you're talking about. You have to know the structure of it. Structure is like a recipe for a great cake. There are specific ingredients. You add at specific times, you do specific things to them and you get a great cake. And then finally, if you haven't practiced you got to practice. I coach people for TED Talks. Are you familiar with TED Talks? Yes. Yeah, they're wonderful. Well, the rule of thumb we have is one hour, excuse me, yes, one hour of preparation for every minute of presentation. Why would you get up and just wing it? And here's the example. If you relate it to sports, any professional athlete, any high school, college athlete, the amount of time they spend in the field, playing their game, it's infinitesimal to the amount of time they spend practicing and working out. The same thing with speaking. What you want to do is practice, practice, practice. So when you give it, it seems like it's uh, unrehearsed. How about you want a good tip on practicing? Yeah. Thanks yeah. for asking. Okay. Thanks for asking. What you, <laughs> take your iPad or your, your uh, MacBook and record yourself, audio and video. First time you go back and look at it, turn the sound off. Nonverbal communication surpasses verbal. People believe what they see. So if, if I start rolling my eyes as we're doing this interview, you're going to think, oh, he's not very interested. <laughs> or I yawn, you know, or you <laughs> see me walk away. Yeah, not, watch what you do. Do you have any little idiosyncrasies? Are you walking, are you maybe rocking back and forth? Are you scratching yourself? That's all distractions. Second time you go back to that video, turn it around and just listen. How is your pacing? How is your enunciation and pronunciation? How is your inflection? Are you talking like R2D2? <laughs> and are you pausing? Pausing is the most important of the verbal communication elements. Most people are so nervous they go through a speech like this. But pausing shows confidence in your competence. It lets the audience think about what you've said. But it's the toughest because I'm speaking. I'm the speaker. Shouldn't I be speaking? Then the third time you watch, go back to that video and watch it with the sound on because you'll see and hear what the audience sees and hears. And the fourth time, have a coach with you because we all have blind spots. You know, we're going to, uh, be too tough on ourselves for some things and not tough enough on others. And it's really a good thing to do. So a lot of that work you can do on your own. You don't have to pay somebody to coach you. But videoing yourself, it's tough, isn't it? First time you looked at your video, wasn't it tough? Oh, it's cringy. Yeah, first time you listen to yourself, it's <laughs> tough. But once you get over that, that's how you improve. Now, here's another thing. I'm going to write a blog post on it. When I was in Toastmasters, we used to think, let's see, there's 10 people here tonight. Oh, well, if there's 20, that's a big crowd. 
I get nervous. Well, the fact is a bigger crowd is better because there's a crowd mentality. It's like if you go to a sporting event and there's only four or five people there, you're not going to jump up and cheer and scream like they would. Same thing at a theater. You know, if it's a joke, you're not going to laugh your head off because people are sitting there. But there's a crowd mentality, and it's a lot easier to give that presentation if there's more people there. And then you always want to get feedback from them. You know, you always want to take the temperature of the audience. Eye contact, look at their gestures, facial expressions. This has to do with elevator speeches, too. If you're not getting eye contact from that person, they're not paying attention. Or if they give you a look like, you know, confused, well, shame on me. I need to repeat that in a different manner. Because if you leave here and you don't know what to do, you're not going to hire me and you're certainly not going to refer me. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. so many great points. And that elevator speech, so important. It just takes time to prep for it and just put that initial time and you're going to see, like, you know, a better speech, more clients more business opportunities. Fred's really been hitting us with a lot of fire in this episode. And uh, for people who are wondering, how do we follow up with Fred? How do we follow his work and journey? Where are some good places for us to go? Go to my site, nosweatpublicspeaking.com. And you can email me, fred at nosweatpublicspeaking.com. Got a lot of places on there. You can get free templates, an elevator speech template, a speaker's template, a express elevator speech express elevator speech template which i was a speaker and could pronounce those words but lots of stuff there and it, it can make a big difference for you you know one of the challenges you have with podcasts you don't have that you know you and i see each other on zoom which is amazing and i see you sleep in there i had the bitch slap you a few times wake you up but you don't see that in a podcast that or or even if somebody's doing uh you know webinars and they don't see that person that face-to-face, -face, and you mentioned this when we first turned on this interview, that's really, really important. That's, it's, people who don't do that, I think that's kind of crazy. You, know, you love to meet everybody in person, but you know we've got high-res cameras, and this is dynamite. Yeah. I don't know so, how you made me look so old, though. You must have a filter on your Zoom thing. <laughs> no, I don't do anything oh, like Where'd that, that gray hair come from? I wasn't great. That better go away when we turn off the camera, Mark. I'd say... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in between all that, links were shared, so they will be put in the show notes. But I mean, this was just such an awesome conversation. And I mean, just thank you so much for coming on Profitable Public Speaking. It was such a blast to have you on the show. Well, it's a privilege to be with you, Mark. You do a great job and got a good setup. And I'm going to follow your example, write a whole bunch more books. <laughs>